Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. to find the existence of God on any spectrum, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't exist. We use history, we use archaeology, we use logic to understand our Christianity, and that is something that you can search out for yourself. And I would say, please do, please try to understand why you have a faith. And, and, and science doesn't have to be in conflict with Christianity, because understand that the Bible wasn't written by scientists for scientists, and so it doesn't necessarily contain scientific fact in the way that a scientist would want. But what the Bible does is that it gives us an understanding of the character and nature of God. It helps us to see through God's actions and decisions and what He has said and what He has done that we can understand the character of God. In the same kind of a way, science is observing natural phenomena and trying to understand how it works, whether there's a structure and a framework for understanding certain aspects of science. And so maybe, maybe as Christians, we can understand science in a perspective that what science is discovering is possibly how God works. Maybe we don't have to be so scared of it. Romans 1, 19 to 20 says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, in the creation so they are without excuse. The creation tells us something about the Creator. And so when we have signs showing us and proving to some extent how the universe might work, we don't have to be scared of that. They start quite often from the perspective that God doesn't exist, and so they say that this thing shows that God doesn't exist. But when we know that God exists and we see what they have uncovered through the lens of the, the existence of God, we can come to very different conclusions. Are any conclusions right or wrong? That is something that, that you have to work out and, and, and try to understand. For example, did you know that when Darwin came up with the theory of evolution, the church wasn't in uproar. The church wasn't actually scared by evolution. In fact, one Christian scientist actually said that evolution is a more elegant way of explaining creation. This person said that instead of just completely discrediting evolution, maybe explains how God didn't actually hand-make every animal and every species, but maybe God created a framework for how species would populate the earth and adapt to different environments. Does, does a theory of evolution cut out God's design does evolution necessarily say that God doesn't exist? No, maybe it tells us that God is very clever. That God knows how not to put in too much effort and allow the world just to evolve by itself. And it's like, I think, I like that God. Sorry, I know it sounds a bit heretical and I'm having a bit of fun. But that's what I'm trying to, to say, that we don't have to necessarily be scared of science. And Christians look stupid. When we discredit signs without having a reason for it. We look 
extremely foolish when we don't try to understand things, when we discredit things that actually have some scientific fact behind it. Why not try to understand the scientific fact? Why not try to understand why people have come to those conclusions and whether them coming to those conclusions are necessarily right or wrong? Why not try to see what they have found through the lens of what God has done? And maybe we can bring them together. You see, the reason why I have such a strong faith in God really comes down to the person of Jesus. And this is where we start to talk about the first question that, that I mentioned about uh, Jesus and proof of Jesus. Because I get really upset when people tell me that Jesus is unicorn territory. Because I think that they're absolute idiots. Because they haven't done any research whatsoever. We've got movies like Case for Christ coming out, which I hope that really portrays in an engaging way that there is actually proof that the person of Jesus existed. It is actually harder to prove that Jesus didn't exist than to prove that Jesus did. There is enough corroboration of fact in our history, in archaeology, to prove many things in the Bible. And I'm just going to give you a brief survey of some of the things that I feel are really important for us to know that we can then go and, and observe and, 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 be, and research for ourselves so that when people ask you, you can say, um, there is actually fact. You're the one that is coming to me with baseless accusations, so why don't you go home? Mic drop if you can. <laughs> All right. So here are some facts. The first one, uh, his name is a bit unfortunate, but hopefully you will excuse him. His name is Dr. Peter Stoner. And he was not stoned when he came up with his <laughs> understanding. Got a picture of him up there. He's actually a professor of mathematics. And he took his class uh, in a college in Pasadena. And what they did is that they observed, uh, sorry, they, 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 they did probability studies on, on Jesus and um, the prophecies in the Old Testament. See, the, the, the Bible is um, divided into two parts. There is the Old Testament at the front portion. I'm not opening it right. There, there's Old Testament stuff there. And then there's the New Testament, which is a little bit on the second half of the Bible. The Old Testament was written before Jesus existed. There's enough historical fact to prove that the Old Testament was written at least 400 years before Jesus came to earth. It's a long time. 400. No one's even close to that age. So we know it's a long time. And, and, and so these things, th these prophecies, these passages in the Old Testament spoke about Jesus and spoke about the life that he would live before Jesus was born. And what Dr. Peter Stoner did is that his class took eight of, out of a possible 300 Old Testament prophecies about Jesus that he did fulfill, by the way. They took eight and they did conservative probability studies on it. And they tried to find what is the probability of someone else other than Jesus fulfilling eight of 300 prophecies. Eight of 300 prophecies. And this is what they found. They found that the probability of someone else ever fulfilling those eight prophecies is 1 in 10 to the power of 17. 
It's a figure that is coming up, so that's the top one. And I did a quick search, and uh, Google tells me that the probable total population of the world from day dot till now is 107 billion. A lot of people, 7 billion currently exist in the world, and they're thinking that from the day dot, 107 billion. You would need a million times of the total population on Earth from zero to now to even find that number. Our world needs to have existed a million times over before you probably will find another person that fulfills eight of 300 prophecies. According to science, that's fact. According to science, that is an extremely significant number. It tells me that no one else could have fulfilled those eight of 300 uh, uh, prophecies randomly. But that's a key word, randomly. Because some people say that maybe Jesus, Jesus' life was cooked up and written by some people in order to create a person that would fulfill those prophecies. Again, massive error. Because the life of Jesus, the life of Jesus was recorded by non-Christians as well. For example, there is a Jewish uh, uh, historian, his name is Josephus, and he's actually anti-Christian. But he wrote a, a whole bunch of stuff about Jesus' life, and he calls Jesus, there's a quote from him, he, they call, uh, he calls Jesus the so-called Christ. He doesn't like Jesus, but he called Jesus the so-called Christ. And then a little bit later, about 40 years later, a couple of Roman politicians uh, again uh, recorded some aspects of Jesus' life, and, 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 and they actually record, Roman politicians record that Jesus existed during Pontius Pilate's reign. Now, there are a lot of people that will tell you that Pontius Pilate is not a real person because he's not found in many things, but there are Roman flippin' politicians that wrote about him. Now, these politicians also said this, that Christianity is a destructive superstition. They were worried about Christianity because Christianity was taking the globe by storm and it was changing the way that people perceive Rome, especially that Caesar is God. They did not like that, and so they came up with this idea that Christianity is a destructive superstition. Now, for people to hate Christian and Christianity and to hate uh, and to be scared of Christianity, wouldn't it be more effective to say that Jesus never existed? Wouldn't it be easier to just say, you guys believed in unicorns like people are saying now? Why didn't they say that Jesus is a unicorn? Because Jesus existed. They could not deny the fact that Jesus existed because there were people who said, my dad saw Jesus multiply those loaves and fishes. My dad was there when Jesus was healing the blind. My mom saw when Jesus rose that dead man from the dead, and now he's al he was alive, now he's dead again, which is a bit sad. But, but they, they were eyewitnesses to what happened. They were eyewitnesses to Jesus' death and subsequent resurrection. This is something that we have to consider because if Jesus really existed and history shows us 
that there's more evidence for his life and death. The resurrection is a little bit more tenuous because it's a little bit difficult, but there's still enough evidence to somewhat prove. For many of us, I would say beyond reasonable doubt, watch the case of Christ. Make up your own mind. But Jesus' death and resurrection... Historians that look into religions, they studied the church over the first century, the Christian church over the first century, and their conclusion is that Christianity should never have survived. There were mass persecution and murders of people that professed the Christian faith by the Romans, by the Jews, by so many people. People point to the fact that Rome adopted Christianity and that's how it spread across the earth. No, 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 no. Before Rome adopted Christianity, it started off with nothing. Nothing. Maybe three, four thousand people in Jerusalem. Rome's not scared of three to four thousand people in Jerusalem. But something happened. People started believing at a rapid rate. People who were non-Jewish never really took on or understood the Old Testament or anything were starting to believe in this person of Jesus, willing to let go of their old lifestyle, willing to die for this faith. I've got to ask you, what scientific fact do you have against this? For me, logically, they were holding on to something that was true. The only reason Christianity survived beyond the first century is because there were eyewitnesses to Jesus' death and eyewitnesses to his resurrection. He's the only person on the face of the planet in all of history to have accomplished that. And if someone can die and then rise again, you want to listen to what he's saying. So what did Jesus say in John 3, 16? It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Jesus said that he was the way, the truth, and the life. And first century people believed it because it's true. Because it's true. If anyone comes to you about your faith in Jesus and says, what proof do you have? Maybe a better question is, what proof do you have that God doesn't exist? At the end of the day, there's only two ways to understand life on earth. That life has always happened and always will happen. That something always existed and something always will exist. But I put forward to you that that kind of understanding of life on earth is the most meaningless, pitiful existence you could know. You're a blip in time. You're gone. Nothing you do is noble. Nothing. 
that holiday that you had in Hawaii? Oh, over. What next? That big house that you built, the Taj and Swan. <laughs> what a failure. Your empire that you built, what's so great about it? When time still consumed, when time still took. You can't fight time when time always exists and time always will. There's nothing noble about your life. But how can things always exist without beginning and without end? For me, it makes far more sense that our earth was created by a creator God. Sure, maybe the mechanics of how he did it was through a big bang. Sure. Sure, maybe evolution took place to help create some of the things that we know. Sure, I'm not, a, I'm not sure how it works. But I know that it makes far more sense that the order that we see in this world came by design rather than randomness. And sure, you might want to say that I'm weak-minded and therefore need a faith. But what's the point of science if you're a blip in time? Are you trying to cheat time? I don't... I, on the other hand, because of my faith, I'm not worried about time because I know that there's a creator that existed before time and created time. And this creator gives me a meaning and purpose for my life. And this creator God showed me that he is not some aloof, faraway God by sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin opening up a way of life that I could never achieve by myself. That gives me hope in troubled times. That gives me meaning for me to wake up each and every single day because if God designed me and God placed eternity on my heart, maybe there's something that I'm living for. Maybe there are things that are noble. Maybe there are things that are great. Maybe there are things that are purposeful. Maybe there's a reason for you to live. Maybe there's a reason for you to be here right now. Maybe right now God is trying to knock on your heart and to say that I am real. I'm not some unicorn or some fairy that you pray to. I am not some genie in a lamb that you rub and then I grant you wishes. I am a God that existed before time. I'm a God who designed and created you and and I'm a God who desires to be in relationship with you. And so I would die that you might live. I am die so that you have eternity unlocked for you. That is faith. You can try to argue against that, but really science is a faith of itself. And that belief system really doesn't explain things very well. Research that for yourself. I've got a blog post that will be coming up maybe Tuesday and it's going to have a whole bunch of links of things that I uh, went through in preparing this message. I want you to read it for yourself. There's some videos as well and some podcasts that you can access. I've condensed it into a half an hour for you, but there's so much out there that can strengthen your faith. Science is not something we should be scared of. Logic is not something we should be scared of. 
In fact, you should be using logic. God created us to be able to think. And we just need to learn how to think right and to have the right perspective on things. Can we get the band up this morning? There are a couple of groups of people that I would like to talk to this morning. The first group of people are people that maybe you've been a bit worried about this God character. You don't really feel like you've known Him and your faith in God has been a little bit tetchy. It's been a little bit strained because you don't know if He's real. But I hope that through this morning that there's already a stirring in your heart to go, what that guy's saying? I know that he's shouting at me and he doesn't look very friendly, but, but it sounds like he's talking truth to me. It sounds like that makes sense. How can Christianity make sense if it's not science? Well, maybe because science is not what you think it is. Maybe there's more basis for us to trust in God than anything else. So this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus into your life. See, the Bible teaches us that if we confess with our lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised Him from the dead, salvation is yours. You don't have to worry about eternity. You don't have to worry about time. You don't have to worry about anything, really, when you understand that God is on your side. But God doesn't cut across your will he still wants you to choose Him. And that's why we make this confession. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three. And at the count of three, you can put your hand up and then back down again. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer to invite Jesus into your life. Salvation is easily yours through this prayer. So I'm going to count to three now. One, two, three. Is there anyone here that would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Great. Fantastic. Let's say this prayer together. Dear God, I know I've sinned. I know I've fallen short. But I know that you came and died on the cross for my sin. I invite you into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lyft, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.